hello. Welcome. Thanks for clicking this link. Hello. Clicking this thing. This is the Crossway Youth Podcast. Something new we're starting. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, Sam, we've got, we do a lot of different things, uh-huh. or we will be mm-hmm. doing a lot of different things on this. Um, like what? Well, I mean, <laughs> we, you, I think you and I both acknowledge that we are Crossway Youth. So yep. Crossway Youth is a youth ministry in Melbourne, Australia. And, um, you know, we exist to bring the good news of Jesus to, to young people, to teenagers, young adults here in Melbourne, Australia. But we acknowledge that Jesus is still good for the world in a changing world and the world is increasingly changing and what it looks like to follow Jesus is changing as well. And so we hope to be able to discuss that a little bit and and chat with different people about different things around what it looks like to follow Jesus when it comes to to fame or the internet or all these sorts of changing things that are happening around the world. Uh, We'll have some fun, that sort of stuff as well, and um, be uploading stuff to YouTube regularly. We'll be on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. All the usual podcast places. Wherever you get your podcasts. Um, But we're really excited, and um, we'll on social media as well, at the CY pod. Make sure you go ahead and follow that. So you can On Instagram. Yeah, that's right. So you can be up to date with kind of where we're going with that sort of stuff. And... um, yeah, that's a bit of our heart for it. We're excited to see where this goes and um, to be able to talk about important things around what it means to follow Jesus in an ever-changing world, uh, particularly for Gen Z and Gen Y, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be a good one. Enjoy the episode ahead. We'll see you very soon. Regularly. I won. Was an okay clap. <laughs> Mine was okay. Yeah, yours was not as... Well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder because yeah, I really actually. cupped. Hey, when you know you're loved, truth is your friend. Yeah, it's <laughs> so true. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode, Crossway Youth Podcast. Um, thanks for joining us. It's uh, Sam, and I'm joined by Ben and Brooke. Hello. Hello. We <laughs> we were just having a conversation about clapping and and who has a superior clap just before you uh, just before we started recording. Mm. And we'll um, let you guess who was superior. You can just, yeah. You can just assume what you would like to assume. Uh, but, guys, today we've got a, a b- bit of a special episode. Um, this is going to be released a while after we've recorded this. Um, but we're going to talk about Paul today. Come on. Paul the Apostle, not just any Paul. I'd imagine that would be the first person, per first Paul that comes to your mind, right? If I just said we're going to talk about Paul. Yeah. I'm not related to a Paul, so I feel like that makes it really I don't easy. even know who would be number two. Just going to put it out there. I Paul Walker, the Fast and the Furious guy, maybe. Surely not about him. I think <laughs> people would know. Crossway Youth wouldn't talk about Paul Walker. Well, yeah, yeah so that's okay. All right, well, let yeah. us know Let us know Safely. who are the first Pauls that you think of when you think about Paul. Um, we are, when this is getting released, we'll have just come back um, in the middle of the year as a youth ministry. We run a winter camp. We go away uh, as a as a youth ministry, um, and that's kind of like our our high point for the year. We hear good biblical teaching from speakers. We're running groups. We learn from electives, and this camp specifically, we're focusing on Paul, the man of Paul in yeah. Scripture, Paul the Apostle. And um, so, if you have just been on camp and you're listening to this, we're going to be building on stuff that you've already heard. Mm. If you haven't been on camp and you're listening to this, welcome. Nice to have you. And um, Hopefully this pulls back the curtain a little bit on who Paul was and mm. and who he tried to live as and 
what we see in scripture from Paul. Um, I think just at the outset, what comes to mind when I talk about Paul the Apostle for both of you? What are the first things that you resonate with? You got it. Yeah, you breathe in. <laughs> Reserve some airspace. <laughs> I mean, bad guy turned good guy. Yeah. If I'm thinking very broadly. Yeah. I'm like first things. The the guy who's chasing down Christians versus the one who is then leading the early church. Mm. What my mind generally goes to. Mm. Benny. Yeah, I think of. Um, like if you think of the Bible being split into the Old Testament, which is pre-Jesus, and the New Testament, which is Jesus and beyond, he writes the majority of the New Testament, which is after Jesus when the church becomes like a movement. So just a key character for that reason, because he wrote to all the churches as they were going from Jesus' tight-knit little bunch of disciples Mm. into a movement that we now exist in still today. Mm. And he was like one of the pivotal guys. And so we can look to him, the way that he lived, the way that he wrote his letters and how he saw the Jesus movement expanding and we can look at his model for how he made disciples. Mm. And we still do. Like he's a lot of the tools that we look at for how to make disciples today. So right from Jesus to the Paul, the movement guy, he's a interesting unit to look at his life and understand it. So I think that's why we thought it was a good idea of focusing on him this year. An interesting unit. You heard it here Interesting first. Unit. <laughs> Interesting Plain unit. Interesting unit. Boring old Paul. <laughs> Not boring. No. Nah. He was um, a tent maker. We know that. We yep. read that in the Bible that he made tents. That was his thing. Yeah. Um, amongst writing lots of letters to churches and starting churches and being a pastor, really. And a prisoner. And a prisoner. Yeah. All of these different things. He was on a boat. He was shipwrecked on that boat. He traveled around a lot of what we now know as like. Europe and the Middle East kind of crossover place. It was called Asia Minor back then. Um, But part of the heart for doing this as well is, I think for those of us that are are listening, at times you can kind of interact with the Bible and particularly characters in the Bible as though it's it's a a textbook and it's sort of the whole point of the Bible is to just give me principles for how to live my life Mm -hmm. and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But when we look at actual individuals and characters, we start to see the real humanity of people that Mm. we walk through scripture with. And you see that a lot in Paul. And we're going to dive into that a little bit and look at different parts of his life and things like that. But you see the highs and the lows of Paul's life. And I think as a church last year, we did a teaching series on David, the man of David in scripture. And I think a lot of the reason that people love that and interacted with that is because you see the real person trying to follow God, really. Mm. And Paul was that. Paul was a real dude with lots of faults, bad guy turned good, mm. just trying to follow Jesus and help other people to follow Jesus. Yeah. And I think there's something really special seeing that and knowing that and then reading about his life and his ups and downs and his failings and shortcomings, but also his great strengths and the significant things that mm. he did for the kingdom. Because I think it, I don't know about how you guys reflect on this, but I think it just makes it a little bit more accessible for us, some of the stuff that we read about, right? Mm. The same God that empowered Paul is the same God that empowers us today, if you're a follower of Jesus. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any reflections on that, about like how you kind of see characters in Scripture less as like what are the theological, what are the principles for how to live my life that I can pull off this person and these stories versus actually seeing them as a person? Mm. Um, Do you have any reflections on that? Have you ever thought about that deeply? Yeah, for sure. I think whenever you meet someone who's like travelled to... um, 
the places that the Bible is written in mm. and they walk through Jerusalem and they feel the dirt on the streets and then they say they go back to reading the Bible and it's come to life, like mm. there's a whole lot more colour to it. Um, I think the same when you ever see like a dramatic depiction of the Bible, like mm. a movie or a TV series and it puts a whole lot more flavour to the stories. And we've had um, some people teaching us when you're reading a, a scriptural story, don't just like buzz through it, but mm. try and sit with it for a while and, and s- like sense some of the feelings. What would the smells and the sounds and the sights be? Put yourself in the story. Um, and it can help some of the story to have a bit more colour because these are real people and this is real stuff. It's not just written, like you said, as a textbook. And so I think especially um, Gen Z right now, they want the real and they mm. want the like, you know, cut the fluff. Mm down to business want to make a real difference we want my life to matter and so the more we can do that especially for this current generation i think people want to hear like what's the real stuff how can i actually live this out not just like the vague uh, hundreds of year old book uh, but this is a real living jesus that really works right now interacts with my life and i think that's a smart way to think about it these mm. are real people mm. this can have a real impact on your life mm. Mm. yeah i think the bible came alive for me when i when I was able to stop thinking of it like a textbook Mm. that I ought to read for homework Mm. and when it connected more to my personal story as these are people, some a lot like me, some nothing like me, and I get to read about their best and worst, Mm. trying to do what I'm now trying to do, Um, like trying to either be obedient to God or trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus depending on Old and New Testament, um, that helped me so much because then I could read something in Psalms and be like, oh, this is a guy who's feeling really pissed off about life. Like this is a guy who's Mm -hmm. having a rough day and this is what it looked like for him to be faithful to God in that day Mm. or to be able to look through (laughs) at some of the heroes of faith and be, be able to see, oh, they messed up and failed too Mm. because I can get caught in the notion of you're a good Christian or or you're not being a good Christian, Mm. whereas I think you can have your heart set on following God or you can just be trying your best and Mm. and we get both of those in the Bible and that's beautiful that it's all just humans doing Mm. human things. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's been really helpful to me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, if I can just put... Uh, a statement out there that I'm really, really glad that the story of my life and my ups and downs will never be distributed to billions of people over 2,000 yeah. years. Mm. Just thought I'd put that out there. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like, like Paul, just everything, I mean, not everything, but just a lot of his life is there for people to see. And that's a story of, like you say, lots of characters of scripture, but, but Paul specifically. Mm. Good guy gone bad, baddie turned goody, and even in his goody years, like so much fruit and so much challenge and trial and persecution and all this sort of stuff, it's all there for people to see. Um, And I think when you kind of understand that and appreciate that, it makes the specific verses that he writes that we'll get to a little bit later all the more meaningful Mm. because you know who he is Mm. and you know what it takes for him to write that. Mm. Or you know what it takes for him to say that. Um, Partially because all of his, like a lot of the quotable stuff that we take from Paul is letters that he writes 
to his churches and yeah. to his people and people that he cares about. So mm. I think the more that you pull that sort of stuff back, the more that you appreciate who Paul is and mm. and the more that it, it makes those verses more meaningful for your life, right? Mm. Yeah, and getting context like that—that mm. that the letters written to people and this was his, this was his actual life that he was living—helps because he wasn't doing it so that it would be shared with billions of people. Like he didn't know he was shooting a Netflix documentary, mm. so he acted in a certain way. Mm. Like he was living out his actual life mm. and writing actual letters to actual people. So it, it sort of really helps to see it in that way of he wasn't just trying to, like he, he didn't know what he was mm. creating mm. in a way, which I think is great. Mm. Like he didn't know he was starring in Paul wasn't this sitting stuff. there going, man, this is going to make it into the Bible. <laughs> Someone's going to write best. a doctorate on this. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's his actual... It's his actual thoughts and troubles and the people he's trying to lead... Mm. Um, which is great mm. to be able to get an insight into that sort of happening live. Mm. Yeah, right. and just speaks to the role of, as followers of Jesus, we believe the Holy Spirit had a huge role to play in this, right? Like, yes, it was letters that Paul was writing to a group of people, but the fact that we have it today, the fact that we're doing this podcast right now and talking about this mm. is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and Paul didn't know that, the Holy Spirit did. Mm. And I think that's beautiful. We're going to dive into some of Paul's life now. So we've kind of broken a few of the things up into different key moments in his life. Um, so we know that he was called Saul first and foremost. His name was, he had a name change. That's right. Um, did you ever go through a period in your life when you wanted to, like when you were a kid and you just were like, I hate the name Sam so much and I want to change it to, I wanted to change my name to Blake, I reckon, for like a year when I was younger. Really? Yeah, you remember when everyone who was cool was like a skateboarder and you were just like, I wish yeah. I could skateboard. I want to change my name to Blake when I was younger. Yeah, I feel you. Was it Blake for you as well? Or? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it was probably Blake for me too. Let's be honest. Um, what did you have a name? Yeah. No. Just happy I, with Brooke. I mean, I didn't know other Brooks. Mm. So I'm like, it gave me a pretty unique hold on the name that mm. it was only me that I knew as Brooke. But I definitely had the thought of when I was younger of what would it look like if I just like some sort of magic happened and I just picked up and started a completely different life. Mm. I was just like, it's sort of, which no doubt it was probably like a Hannah Montana effect on me being a Disney uh, Channel kid yeah. of like, what would it look like for me to just step into something completely different than mm. what I am now, which mm. isn't a name change, but it is an identity change. Mm. So. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Paul had quite the identity change. Mm. Uh, so Saul, like pre him being called Saul and pre the bad guy turned good experience that we know at Damascus Road, Paul was this, Saul, sorry, was this Jewish kid who grew up in this city called Tarsus. Mm. Bit of a deep dive time, everybody. Um, in like a really devout Jewish family. And he was raised essentially as a Pharisee, right? If you've read the Bible and you've read the stories of Jesus, you would know that there are these guys called Pharisees that he, Jesus specifically, um, he didn't take to them very well. Mm. Is that a nice way of saying <laughs> it? Strict dudes. Yeah. 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 Strict, Strict dudes enforced the Jewish law really tightly and weren't having a bar of anyone doing anything outside yeah. of Jewish law. And really specific, like, what you can wear and what you can eat and who you can hang out with and what yeah. type of sacrifice you need to make, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. that was the way that Paul was raised. So 
far away from Jesus, far away from being a follower of Jesus. Um, really, really high knowledge of the Old Testament, which is what the Pharisees would have been reading up until that point. Um, and so Paul then, Saul then hears about Jesus and the followers of the way. That was what it was called back then. Mm. It wasn't called Christianity. wasn't called the church. It was just the way because it's like the very early days of Jesus' followers just yeah. shortly after Jesus has ascended to heaven. And so that's a huge threat to his way of life, right? Like the Pharisees heard about Jesus. This is right on the tip of my tongue. We were just watching The Chosen last night. I'm not sure if you guys have seen any of this mm. or if anyone listening to has seen it. But the way that they paint the picture of Jesus interacting with the Pharisees is really full on. Like that's a standout for me mm. from watching it is the Pharisees were yeah really strict and Jesus, his main thing was just making Pharisees angry, really, with yeah. what he was saying and yeah. making them frustrated with what he was saying because Jesus was a threat to their, I guess, to their way of life, really. Mm. And Paul would have saw it the same way, right? Jesus was a threat to the Torah and a threat to his way of life mm. in kind of turning the tables on it a little bit. Mm. And so I'm not... Hear me out, please. I'm not justifying Paul's response to Jesus threatening his way of life by choosing to go and kill, kill a bunch of Christians yeah. because that's what he did. But on a really human level, you can almost kind of understand how he got there, right? Mm. Totally. To be opposing those that are opposing your way of life that you're yeah. trying to maintain and keep holy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that we, on some level, would be able to, not to again, not to the killing aspect but we'd, you'd be able to resonate <laughs> with someone poses a threat to your way of life or someone someone comes in opposition to you mm. you know what it's like to feel defensive about that mm. right and that's For the sure. situation that paul was kind of in his methods were extreme but paul would have been feeling defensive to his way of life sure. with interacting with what jesus and his followers were saying and preaching and the way that they were living like they were incredibly for the poor and marginalized mm. um you know the Torah and Old Testament religion had been something that only Jewish people could interact with. And mm. here's Jesus going, it's not just for Jewish people. Anybody can do that. Yeah. The word Gentiles is the word that was used in the Old Testament and the New Testament, sorry. But that's basically just a way for saying anyone who's not a Jew mm. can interact with, with me and what I'm saying. Um, so we are products of that today. And the irony is, is that after his conversion, which we'll go into, Paul goes on to become the apostle to the Gentiles specifically. Mm. That's his calling. Mm. So that just adds to the whole like 180 degree turn for me, right? Yeah, like Paul is like, moment. he's grown up as this like Jewish guy to uh, not like the Gentiles really and mm. see them as a threat to his way of life to then go, actually my main purpose is going to be loving them and ministering to them. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Insane, crazy turn of events crazy. that you kind of you need to dig a little bit deeper to properly understand that and to probably really see that and feel yeah. that about Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Such a such such a full on change of events for him. Yeah. But I, I can fully understand where he started. Mm. We're all a product of our upbringing, mm -hmm. and mm. if he was brought up to have the utmost respect for the law and, like, the right way for things to be done. Mm. And then for people to come in and seek to dismantle everything he's ever known to be right and tell him wh what you've always done is now out mm. and this is a new way of doing it mm. with no historical evidence mm -hmm. behind it. Like, he was, he was practising mm. in a 
really um, like generations and generations had gone before him mm. in in his way, and someone was coming in with like the freshest, brand new thing, being like, "No, trust me, this is it." That like, mm. I can kind of imagine him being like, "This is a fad." that needs to be, or this is a trend mm. that needs to be stamped out. Mm. You don't know the damage you're going to do. Mm. Like, yes, he did some really bad things. Yeah. But I imagine with the intention to uphold what he's always known to mm. be right and good. Sure, mm. yeah, sure. And that, I mean, even if you think about kind of the world today that we live in and that that the young people grow up in as well, just having someone engage with a worldview or a way of thinking that is different to you just happens all the time now. Mm. Everyone thinks differently on things and the world can be quite polarizing as well. Mm. Like it's not like, you know, you have to pick left or right, black or white, you know, you have to be at opposite end of the spectrum. There's not much tolerance for sort of sitting in the middle on something. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that kind of we as young people who are listening and watching would be able to resonate with, right? Mm. Like mm. how do you respond when someone challenges your worldview or your way of thinking. Mm. Yeah. Like, do you guys have, like, like what's, what's, how do you feel you respond to that sort of thing? Do you have any stories or moments where, where that is something that's real for you as well? Yeah, I think it makes me think of like, um, like all the cancel culture type mm. stuff at the moment where if somebody comes out and they think differently to how you think, like, it's sort of the expected thing that you're blocking that person out mm. and you're trying to take away their voice and their platform. Like mm. it's it's a very normalised thing in this day and age. Mm. And I think especially like um, if you're the kind of person who seeks peace and unity among people and you're, you're wanting to build community um, like, like people in churches you'd think would be like that mm. and a lot of people outside of churches too. It's not obviously exclusively Christian but... Mm. Um, some of the really challenging things of the last couple of years around like COVID and mm. the different um, views that people had on, on things like, you know, from vaccinations and coming to church to right through to a whole lot of the different things that have been in the political mm. conversation. Mm. Uh, I know this is not speaking over the head of teenagers because teenagers are so, you know, soaked in this kind yeah. of conversation. It's all over yep. social media. Um, so just being able to grapple with that, like do we just want to be the kind of people who stick with what we think? our worldview should be and then go along with what everyone does and block out the haters mm, and mm, cancel culture mm. stuff or do we find a way to like hold on to unity and peace in a way where someone can think differently than I do but I can still welcome them in and do life with them a bit. So I think that's been a challenge that um, we've all grappled with but I definitely feel like I've grappled with over the last couple of years mm. just how to do that well um, to have people still in your network and in your friendships but you can think differently and can be quite opposed to how you think. And I think that, like, I totally agree with what you're saying as mm. well. And I think what people need to hear in that as well is just because you're saying you want to keep unity doesn't mean that you're then saying you can't have a conviction on everything. You just need to sit in the middle of everything and sure. just be welcoming and not True. feel like you need to stand for something. True. Because we do. You do need to yeah. stand for things in your life that you have conviction on. So we're not saying, sure. you know, don't hold conviction on things. For sure. But yeah. we are saying you can both hold conviction on something and still love and interact with someone who holds conviction on something else as mm. well. It doesn't mm. mean that that can't be something that is unifying because mm. it doesn't need to be such a polarizing thing. Yeah. I don't I think like it's it's an encouraging good thing to be able to stand with conviction on something. It's just the way that you do it, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. 
alive to this because I didn't want to butcher this quote. It's an Aristotle quote. Whoa. <laughs> Aristotle? Just, just to get super big. Um, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without mm. accepting it. Mm. And mm. I always go back to that and I've heard it misquoted and requoted a million different ways as like it's the mark of intelligence or anything else. Um, but I love that, being able to hold a thought without saying this is now my identity. Mm. So being able to say you have an opposing worldview to me mm. and I can listen to you and take that on, mm. but I don't need to make that my worldview. And I also don't need to destroy your worldview. Mm. Like yeah. Both can exist at the same time sure. and that's the mark of an educated mind and I love that because I think that's so different to mm. sort of the world we live in in a lot mm. of ways, which is either you agree or stop talking. Mm. Whereas I think it's so much healthier to say you can agree or your voice is still valid if you don't. Mm. Yeah, so good and so true. And that's, I think, something that has to be cultivated in a community as well. Like I think that people need to participate in that as well. That's not just something that is said as powerful, as significant as Aristotle quotes are. Mm. Um, a, a community needs to choose to live that as well, 100%. whether that's in a church or in a school or in a society. Mm. Um, people need to participate in that to make that a reality mm. and for that to be something that is actually felt. So, mm. um, yeah. But yeah, that was, I mean, that was Paul's reality, right? Yeah. He had a deep conviction on something. And he was maybe a little bit more militant in his convictions than we're encouraging all of us to be right now. Sure. Um, but it, again, it still speaks to the power of the Holy Spirit for, for change and transformation. Sure. So we're going to come back in a minute and um, talk about Paul's experience of change with the Holy Spirit. All right, here we are. We are kind of at the pivotal point of Paul's life, the part that at least would be the most famous or the part that we would all know where uh, he's walking, um, he's traveling and on the Damascus Road. Mm. Um, big moment. Big moment. He encounters um, Jesus. He encounters this blinding light on the Damascus Road and um, he changes his ways. He goes from from left to right, from black to white. It's a bit of a 180-degree change, as we talked about earlier in the episode. Mm. Um, this is in Acts chapter 9, where he's talking about this. And um, at the point of this change, I kind of looked this up a little bit as well, the way is spreading pretty fast, so the way in quotation marks followers of Jesus. Mm. Damascus is 210 kilometers from Jerusalem. And everyone walked back in those days, right? So that's quite a lot of travel time. Like that's not that's not an Uber, that's not a train, that's not a quick flight away. That's quite a lot of travel time. Days of walking. Yeah, 100%. How is that? Fourth? Yeah. Full marathons. 42Ks, yeah. Mm. Marathon. And um, in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus' promise where he says to his disciples, you'll go and um, be my disciples in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So mm. it starts in Jerusalem and then expands progressively out. So this is part of that being fulfilled already, right? When Paul's on Damascus Road interacting with this, the way is spreading quite fast. And so he's ramping up his militancy. He's ramping mm. up what he needs to do to try to stop this. And, um, and when we say try to stop this, like imprison and kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Full on. Not like, like give people a fine. Kind of vibes. Not pe mm. give people a fine on the side of the road. Yeah. 
Um, and so he interacts with the Holy Spirit. He's not expecting to, and he sees Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. I was going to read it out, but we're drawing a blank on the Wi-Fi, so okay. <laughs> I'll read it out. We'll read it out potentially time. a little bit later. Do you have Acts chapter I nine? Brooke's going to get to Acts chapter nine. Do I have it? Of course, she has Acts In chapter hard nine. Copy Bible. Uh, all of Acts chapter nine? Just verse one to nine, I think. Fabulous. Yeah. Here we go. Acts nine verses one to nine. Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he travelled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Mm. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men who were travelling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by hand and led him into Damascus. He, he was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. For nine mm. verses, there's packed stuff in there. A mm. um, couple of interesting things. Um, one is that Paul's traveling with dudes. Saul's traveling with dudes, sorry. But only Saul is seeing kind of and hearing the voice of God. So the other guys see the blinding light, but only Saul is hearing the voice of God in that moment, mm. um, which I think is kind of significant to notice. Like it was specifically for him mm. and Jesus specifically meant that moment and that transformation for him and, and not for kind of those that he was traveling with. It was personal. Um, and even when he goes on to say, who are you Lord? Um, it's part of his transformation process because the context of this is, this is Paul. We know the context he's been persecuting Christians. And so he wants to know that this guy is who he says he is and that this interaction is what he thinks it's going to be. Mm. And so he's trying to glean as much as he can from this moment and from this blinding light. Like, what is this? What's going on here? Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, um, which is Paul writing it actually, said God revealed his son to him when he's talking about this moment. Mm. So Paul knows and Paul's clear that it's Jesus, Jesus. in this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's clear as day to him. Mm. But it kind of leads me to a question Um because I think when we talk about, I guess, encounters with the Holy Spirit or perhaps that first encounter that we have with the Holy Spirit when we experience the gospel of Jesus or when Jesus kind of shows himself to us, um, whether we were young or whether we were old, whatever that's looked like for us as well, there's something that happens in that moment, mm. the first time that you know, but then that's not the end of the Holy Spirit mm. encountering us, right? Um and so a question that I was kind of reflecting on and, and, and I wonder what you guys think of this as well is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, um, how do you weigh that kind of first moment that you receive the Holy Spirit and you go, wow, this is what it means to know Jesus versus the ongoing transformation that happens with the Holy Spirit in your life? Because mm. you choose the first time to go, yeah, Jesus is, Jesus is for me. The Holy Spirit is for me. Mm. 
but then he continues to be a part of your life as you go on. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, do you think transformation happens over time or overnight? Mm. Two speeds. Mm. I remember um, Melinda Dwight, who heads up Alpha Australia, mm. was talking about God operating in two speeds, either sudden or slow. Mm. And so it doesn't tend to be anything in between. So I think um, for most people, like the, um, the journey of becoming more like Jesus is a lifelong journey. You have um, momentary things like in the Bible, for instance, the thief on the cross comes mm. to mind where this guy is hanging beside Jesus and he puts his trust in Jesus and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So he didn't do anything. He wasn't baptized or hadn't done anything kind for anybody. He didn't have a chance to. It was a momentary thing. Uh, for most people, there's like a, a moment in time where they say, I'm putting a line in the sand and I want to follow Jesus. So that is a moment. Um, but it tends to be that your life is a long journey of obedience to Jesus and the mm. Holy Spirit working on you to make you more like him. So mm. I think there's there's both there. When I think of like Saul, um, he was so convinced that this was worth fighting for, like he'd spend his life trying to purify God's church. So it would be the equivalent of like us being so sure this is the direction God wants us to take. And then like a group coming in and saying like, you know, we think we should worship this God mm. differently or something like something so different to us. We'd be like, there's no chance that's the direction you'd need some kind of miraculous Jesus physically appearing to you in a big significant moment for you ever to consider that this might be like the correct way to go and that mm. you should change what you com like committed your whole life to. So I think even for Paul, this profound sudden moment, but then after that, like he's got a lifetime of mm. running the good race as mm. he goes on to say, mm. so I think sudden and slow, that's mm. a take. Do you have any mm. other thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. No, I think that's, that's spot on in that Saul probably needed something mm. to cut miraculous. Through. Like yeah. if you spent um, decades laying a foundation of one thing, if you choose to chip away at that foundation really slowly, it'll take you an equal amount of time and he'd probably be an old man mm. by the time he came around. Yeah. But for him to be able to do what God wanted him to do, mm. he needed a fast transition. Mm. Uh in my own life, I definitely say slow. Like I mm. can't, I couldn't tell you a lot of my first experiences with Jesus or the Holy Spirit because I've been on this journey probably my whole life. Mm. Um, so I've, I don't resonate with my first encounter being mm. bright lights and a loud blinded. Voice. Yeah. Although mm. that would be amazing yeah. to be able to tell that as your story. Um, but I can definitely pinpoint moments in my life that have felt like a real pinnacle high point. Mm. Sure. But I think um, I've I've needed the slow burn to sustain me, whereas if life was only the big flashy things, um, it's really hard to build your faith on that because there's no routine, discipline, hard-earned work, me building my relationship with God. Mm the quiet places, it's all just, I hope he comes to me mm. and I'll just be here if he comes and I feel that big thing. Mm. Um, I think or I, I need slow. Mm. I need slow for a relationship to happen. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. And I think you, like we would be able to, all of us listening and watching resonate with both of them. Um, 
for those of us that are listening and watching, guys, mm. just any encouragement or words of wisdom around those of us that are hoping for change in someone or in a group of people or in a community and wanting it to be a bit Damascus roady and not seeing that and kind of how you how you hold hope for change and transformation in someone or in a family member or in a community that you're not seeing yet like maybe someone who's close to you who's making average decisions and you go why can't you why can't you see the right path forward and why can't you choose to turn left instead of turning right mm. and um because we would like we probably all on this couch know what it's like to to be alongside people who who you would hold out hope for change in them and and you kind of don't see it mm. in the way that maybe you'd want to see it and and maybe you're hoping it's fast and you can't really see the slow change happening as well that's the thing about slow change is it's not as identifiable um like mm. my grandparents live on the other side of the world mm. and uh, we would go back and forth maybe and see them once every four years or something. And every time I would go that back, they'd be like, Sam, you've grown so much. Sam, your hair's such a different color. Sam, you've done this and done that. And I go, really? I don't, Sam, you've lost so much weight. And I go, I don't know. You didn't notice. Nah, yeah. because that's like when I'm, when you're in it, you don't notice the changes happening yeah. because yeah. it's small and it's happening day by day. Yeah. This is a long-winded way of saying any encouragement for, for those of us that kind of want to see change happen in someone or in ourselves and, and we're not seeing it happen as quick as we would like to. Mm. Uh, wisdom from my mum, who mm. has said this to me, so I won't take credit for her wisdom. Um, when I felt quite devastated about where someone in my life was at and just why wasn't God willing to intervene to save them, to change them. Like, why was this happening? And my mum was saying to me, Brooke, the final chapter is not yet written of their life. Mm. And knowing that only God knows the full extent of timing um, and no one is outside the love of God. So mm. even if I feel like they are far from God and they mm. need saving, like, they're still God's child. He still loves them. Mm. He is still pursuing them every day. The final chapter isn't yet written. And even yeah. if I would like it to happen faster, I would like it to be Damascus Road, mm. bright lights, mm. immediate transformation. Mm. Um, God will work the way that he must mm. for things to happen, mm. not the way that I want it to. Mm. So patience is a beautiful virtue. Mm. Not not easily won, yeah. but yeah. good. It's great. Final chapter is not yet written. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say something very similar. And I think the way that God has like – organize the world is there's this natural order mm. um and so miraculous moments like we see in saul slash paul's life is miraculous and it's out there and if we if we hoped that everybody had a moment like that it would be less miraculous yeah, yeah. um as much as we wish that that kind of moment could happen for all of our friends and family but i think similarly um taking a leaf out of the patient book like i've got people that I have pop-ups on my phone every day throughout the day to pray for them. And like you can have your moments of praying that um, they would have a moment like this. Mm. Fair enough. Um, but as I say, we can't expect that to happen for everybody. So I'm like, uh, Lord, I hope that you have this miraculous power mo moment with them. Even if you don't though, I pray that they mm. develop a hunger for you, that, uh, to know you, like a, 
a disdain with the way that things are like that the the world doesn't fill their tank and they they like get a sense of this god-shaped hole inside them and the more you pray like that day after day after day it's not like a once a year at christmas time that's right i Mm. should be praying for pat today and so i'll do one big prayer but like just shipping away it causes you to like think and live differently in the way that you relate to them yeah um because i want to embody the prayer that i'm committing my time every day to pray yeah and so when i'm with them i'm not going to be like off the cuff but i'm going to be looking for opportunities for god to use me to point out like the disdain to a godless life Mm. Um, and it causes my relationship with them to change in the way that i live to be more intentional Mm. and um and you know thought out so i think there's there's beauty and patience for Mm. for them for the way that god works and for me as well yeah yeah and i think in a really simplistic but hopefully sort of profound way it kind of lets god be god and lets you be you as well Mm. the more that you're able to trust that the final chapter is not yet written or have confidence in god holding the world together and not feeling like he needs to do it on your schedule and on your timetable and the way that you want it to look as well like in a in a really profound but humbling way i think it takes away the sort of petulant little child in us of like god why won't you do it this way and stamping Mm. your foot and throwing a tantrum and you should do what i say Mm. and let's god be yeah let's god be god Mm. and let god be big and all-knowing and worthy of our trust as well Mm. and not make god feel small and just someone who's producing something on our schedule when we want it Damascus Road, big experience, profound experience. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about what Paul wrote because he did a lot of writing and um, talk about some of the favourite things that we have that he wrote. Okay, here we go. We're back. There's a lot to talk about in Paul's life. We're just going to put a disclaimer out there and too much for one high and tight podcast episode. Um, Obviously, Damascus Road is kind of like the start of his his ministry, his choosing to be sold out for Jesus. And so Paul goes on these missionary journeys, like we mentioned at the start, where he is on boats, he's walking, he's probably on horseback. I don't know if it's written about that in if, lots of modes of transportation all around kind of like Israel. What would the countries be today? Like Israel, like the bottom of Greece, Italy, Italy. Yeah those sorts of countries around there that we know today, that's where he was traveling. And he went on three different missionary journeys. Um, You can read about that all throughout Acts. So Paul didn't actually write that. That's one of the few that he didn't. But that talks a lot about his life. So we'll link to a bunch of different passages um, in the discussion guide that comes out with this. So there's a bunch that we can go through there separately. And I think also um, kind of Paul's apprenticeship and leadership of Timothy as well. There's a lot there that we won't have a chance to get into today, but there's some really good stuff about how Paul's really deliberate about building into Timothy and how Paul's really deliberate about bringing him along on his missionary journeys and in giving him opportunities to to pastor and to to lead and build into people. So there's mm. a bunch that you can dive into there on your own time. Mm. But I thought... Can I give you a little fun piece of information? So the book of Acts is a partner up with the book of Luke, the Mm. Gospel of Luke, right? Which is talking about Jesus' Mm. life. And uh, people will say, like, those books are unreliable. They were written ages after Jesus. 
so we know the year that Paul died mm. was like in the 60s mm. AD. Mm. And Luke was his pal going around with him and writing both the Gospel of Luke and Acts. Um, and he's writing heaps about Paul's life. That's where we get a, get a lot of this information mm. from, right? And he gets to Paul like being on trial and stuff, but doesn't actually get to Paul dying, which is really like an interesting omission from a book that's mainly about Paul's life, mm. that he would miss that. And so people have used that to say the book of Luke and Acts must have been written before that happened mm. in this like 60, which is like 60 years after yeah. Jesus' death. And so if Acts was written then, Luke was written before that, and we know that Luke used the book of Mark in order to write the mm. book of Luke, like copied some stuff. Mm. So it gives us this like tight window, which I found really helpful just when looking at like when was all this written? There's a whole lot of speculation about hundreds of years after Jesus. The book of Acts ties it right in and the book of Luke and the book of Mark mm. within 50 years or so mm. of Jesus, which is fun. Yeah, a little side bit of information for you. All these little Should tidbits. Should we cut that out? Maybe. No, all maybe. These little t- that's going to make it. That's not okay. going to get edited. All these little tidbits. But I think it's it's getting into, uh, again, just... Weeds. Ha- yeah. Not weeds. No, not weeds. <laughs> How do we interact with the Bible? And it provides a little bit more colour sure. to it, yeah. which I think is good. So... Paul's main thing that we would kind of know is that he he wrote a lot. So on mm. his missionary journeys, he was planting churches, really, in these different cities that he went to. Um, and then a lot of the New Testament Bible that we have today is basically letters that he wrote to the churches that he planted and that he traveled around to. Um, so in the New Testament, we know that Paul wrote Romans, the book of Romans, which he was writing to the church in Rome. Mm. 1 and 2 Corinthians, which was to the church in Corinth. He wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus and Philemon. 13 of the 27 New Testament books are attributed to Paul. And there's a couple of other books that we don't know who the author are, that people are are sussing whether Paul wrote them or not. So there's tons in there. and, And like we said before, it's letters that, was written from a pastor to his people, but mm. we have it 2,000 years later and there's so much gold about how do we choose to live, what type of people do we choose to be. So I asked you guys to have a little bit of a peruse about some of the Paul th- things that Paul's written and mm. and maybe pick one or two that particularly stand out to you and then and then talk about why they stand out to you as well, what's made them meaningful for you. Um, yeah. So I'm going to throw to... Brooke first, yeah. and um, okay. tell us one or two of your favourite Paul-isms and then why as well. Okay, Paul-isms. so <laughs> Paul-isms. Um, Ephesians 2.8. Mm. So this is a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. Um, Ephesians 2.8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and mm. it is not from ourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepare, prepared ahead of time for us to do. Yeah. Especially love, so that was 8 to 10. Um, saved by grace through faith, and it is not from ourselves, it is God, God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. Because it, for me, there's such a release in knowing that... I am not earning my salvation. Mm. It is through faith and a gift from God mm. 
that Jesus would choose to die for me and take on my sins. I haven't like advanced to the gold level that like now you have achieved salvation. Mm-hmm. Like there that doesn't exist. And like you said before, the um rubber on the cross cross next to Jesus, mm-hmm. like that is the epitome of saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Like he believed in that final moment of his life and Jesus saved him and said Today you'll be with me. Yeah, me. you'll be with me. Um, so I just love that picture of grace, mm. grace being something unearned and undeserved, yeah. and that is what um, that is what being saved is. Mm. Like I'm a my natural inclination is always to work for something and to try and achieve something and be enough for mm. something, mm. and this is my bring me back down to earth remove my ego and work from it to say um, no one can boast about their salvation. Mm. It's not works. You were given this as a gift. Yep. So accept that as a gift and know that, yeah, which is incredible. That so, is, yeah. seriously. Unique to the Christian faith. Yeah. That this yeah. is a gift. This is a price has totally been paid that you didn't earn. It's an incredible bit of text right there. Mm. And not to say there's not work to do, like there's work yeah. to do for sure. There's things that we'll stress over and get in there. But to be able to say my eternal salvation was paid for by Jesus and just by my faith, just as a gift of grace, um, I can have relationship with the Father. That's yeah, profound. Yeah. Or even just like, you know, in the world, how, how often are we receiving gifts of grace for anything, right? So much of kind of the society that we live in is about you you got to put in the work. Yep. You got to put in the work to achieve something. You got to strive really hard to achieve something. It's about how much you can clock up mm. um, on good deeds. You got to earn it, mm. right? Mm. And again, as you're saying Ben, there is work to be done. There mm. are things to be done, yeah. but it is so counter and yeah, just freeing yeah. to sit in that and to acknowledge that yeah, I even if I tried, I could not. Yeah. Like, even if I tried to be the, the best person that I could, I was going to say goodest person, but I stopped myself. Mm. Even I tried to be the best, most well-behaved person I could, I would still fall so far short of saving myself. Mm. Yeah. It just, just puts it into context as well. Mm. And no strings attached, mm. life-changing mm. gift. Mm. Mm. And I love, so with, with you saying, like, there still is work to do. So that, that Paul has bundled up these few verses that after we accept the saved by grace through faith bit the for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which yeah, God prepared, prepared ahead of time for us to do mm. to know that you've been given a life-changing gift no strings attached mm. also you are his work like you are crafted mm. beautifully by mm. a creator mm. is also an incredible identifier to know that me with all of my intricacies and the differences that I have from the two of you, mm. like I am his workmanship mm. in how different I am from you two mm. and created for good works, like created to do things that will build the kingdom, created to make an impact, which God has prepared me to do. And I think that's so tied to being his workmanship. Mm. Like I will be a different person to you because he's prepared something different for me to do. Yeah. Um, so just the whole package of those few verses just is very life-giving. Yeah, mm. seriously. Mm. That's great. Yeah. 
Benny? Mine, I picked a little um, – and to be honest with you, man, I'm not much of a – like I never got a tattoo because mm. I remember I would always go, this Bible verse is like my tattoo. And then three weeks later, yeah, I'm, I like that one a bit more. So that's a good reason <laughs> I didn't do that. We've all been through that 100%. Yeah, yeah. So – I like this one and I'm not going to say like it's my verse for life or anything like that. But, but it's Ben's tattoo verse. Yeah, everybody. that is my tattoo verse. I'm thinking about getting it on my forehead. <laughs> um, so this is mine's from 2 Timothy. You spoke about like Paul has this mentoring relationship with Timothy. Timothy. So the way that he speaks to him and I like just the vision that it gives you similar to what you just said, Brooke. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4 uh, and he's talking to him, so say from verse 5. Um, as for you, he's saying, always be sober-minded and endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He's trying to give him like, encourage him mm. to go on and get into this, do your ministry. It won't be easy. You have to endure suffering, but get on and do it. And then he says of himself, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. And I love the idea of like being able to give someone such encouragement that what you're stepping into here, the life of obedience to Jesus, is so worth enduring suffering and getting into the work of ministry for that I have I've kept the faith and I've run the race and I'm coming toward the ends, but it's it's so worth committing yourself to like it's the older guy talking to the younger guy saying step into this um so i love that concept that this is a life that we walk into not because it's easy but because it's worth it and there is a reward um uh, for those that are faithful uh, from the righteous judge i love that and just again we said it before earlier but doesn't that verse mean so much more when you just think about paul's life to that point this guy's got scars on his back He's got scars on his back. He had to change his life 180 degrees when he came into the encounter of the Holy Spirit on mm. Damascus Road. He would have been ostracized from his community. He would have been doubted. He would have been persecuted when he traveled mm. by the churches who were following different religions to what he was preaching. Yep. He was shipwrecked. He would have come close to death. He was imprisoned. And it. then he wrote that. Mm. Like... These aren't just mic drop. There are mic drop verses from mm. Paul that we want to write tattoos on our foreheads. Yeah. But if there's one encouragement that you hear from this episode today, it's knowing the people of Scripture that write these verses and their context makes them so much more mm. meaningful yeah. and makes verses like that. Yeah, like don't you want to just shoot your hand up in the air and say, me too, yeah. I want that. I'm I want to be the old Some guy with the beard. I want to be on the rocking chair going, I've suffered a lot, but it's worth it's it. worth it. Yeah. yeah. And just as a life motto, you take that into present tense, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. Like if that can't get you out of your tough situation, mm. like that's the mm. almost a battle cry mm. to know that. Yes, we're going through a lot, but fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. Like, know that this isn't a marathon, not a sprint. Like, finish yeah. the race, know that you're striving for something beyond your current circumstance. Yeah. Um, and it's worth holding on to, mm. on a rest of days. Mm. Yeah. 
That's, you well, I was going to say I do, but that is beautiful and feels like a really lovely spot to end. I, my, my, I'm going to say mine really quickly because I don't want to get away from the vibe that we had just okay, then. Okay, okay. Uh, he says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is all you need, kind of going off what you, you were saying, Brooke, and mm. my power works best in weakness. Mm, yeah. And then he says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. I think the more that you just break down that verse, the more, why would you boast about what you're bad at? Mm. And there's a difference here between false humility and real humility as well. Like I think in the world today, people are generally pretty good at false humility and, and deflecting away things and all that sort of stuff. But there's a difference between that and boasting in weaknesses mm. because basically what you're doing is getting yourself out of the way so mm. that God can take center stage in your life and so that you step to the side and go, actually, this life is not about me. What I want, it's about you, God, and what you want for my life. I'm just a body, a heart and lungs and arms and legs trying to do what you want for my life. Mm. Use me and get me out of the way. Mm. So I love that verse and I feel like I need to come back to it again and again and mm. again, similar to what you were saying, Brooke, about like you just need to hear it's not about you putting in striving for things. It's about God's grace. Mm. And that's one of those verses that, yeah, you don't hear once. You, you hear it all the time and you need to hear it all the time. Um because it's worth it putting in effort, right? Mm. Like, again, coming back to the nice vibey vibes <laughs> that I didn't <laughs> want to get like away from that we were talking about it then as well. Like, don't we, don't we want to be that person who who says, yeah, the effort that I'm putting in now is totally worth it, mm. yeah. and it will be totally worth it one day when you're able to look back on your life and go, I've known what it's like. Again, this is Paul. Mm. I've known what it's like to have a lot. And I've known what it's like to have not that much, mm. uh, and still I rejoice in these things. Yeah. So. Let that be an encouragement to you, wherever you're watching or listening from. Mm. It's worth it. Mm. It really is. And one day you'll be able to look back and agree with us on that. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Um, you can connect with us, Crossway Youth Podcast, um, social media, and um, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Good job, mate. Mm.